for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to healthcare's top experts and thought leaders to help you navigate the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal in this series is simple. We want to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights, working with healthcare professionals and organizations across the country. In today's episode, Dan sits down with Todd Nelson, Chief Partnership Executive at the Healthcare Financial Management Association, which is designed to help healthcare finance and business leaders navigate today's complex environment while advancing their careers and organizations. Dan and Todd dive into a discussion of how the consumerism model is the new black as providers continue to redefine how they provide care. The current climate has prompted consumers of all ages for a 24-7 healthcare experience that is digital and convenient. The pandemic has required healthcare systems to pivot to engage patients, putting an acceleration to the advancement of telehealth and leaving providers with the question of how to build contactless relationships with patients and still be able to meet them where they are. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are at the top of your mind. Now let's get started. I'm looking forward to today's discussion. As we've talked about on previous episodes, the impact of COVID has definitely had some major effects on the hospitals. You know, in, in prior episodes, we've spent some time talking about the financial challenges that hospitals have been undertaking and, and some of the things that they're focusing on as they start to improve some of their operating margins. One in particular, we had talked about the provider networks and how the networks can provide a lot of support to physicians and to providers as they start to reposition themselves in the post-COVID world. But we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about the impact on the patients. As we've all heard and a lot of the the articles and information out there has said, you know, the, the access model that we're seeing related to how we're taking care of patients has really evolved. And it's evolved in two ways. It's evolved in having more of a, what I would call a convenience-based access to service, and particularly for primary care. Telehealth has really supported more of a, of a immediate expectation or more of a convenience-based service for patients. Um, and primary care physicians certainly have had to adapt to that. And many other organizations have come into the fold, um, such as ZocDoc and, and so forth, really leveraging that component of, of convenience-based primary care. But there's also that tr- traditional focus of primary care where patients still need to have their chronic diseases treated or still have some longstanding relationships with their providers. So that traditional model of primary care is going to continue for some time. But what providers are also focusing on is rebuilding the trust with patients. Early on, particularly after elective surgery started to come back, um, we saw that some of the patients were a little reluctant to frankly come to the hospital. And some of it was really around the trust, trust that they were going to be safe, trust that 
the services that they were going to receive um, were going to be done in a way and in a manner that was really going to help support them. So many providers, many hospitals had to re really reestablish that trust with the patient. And then I think a third area, you know, building on the access models, building on the trust, I think the third area that continues to be important for patients is they need to have a good experience. They need to have an experience that is really, you know, not just meets, but exceeds their expectation, is, is built around getting the answers, getting the answers as quick and as efficient as possible, and done in a way that is not only providing good quality, but I think good financial support, if you will, in terms of understanding what their obligations are going to be and not overburdening the patient. So that, that, that concept of the good experience is one that we're gonna continue to see as we move forward into 2021. It all lends itself to this concept of consumerism in healthcare. We've heard that time and time again in a number of years past, but I think now as we start to move past COVID, and we start to really redefine how we're going to be providing care and continuing to define how we're providing care to patients. The consumerism model in healthcare is one that is, is gonna remain a, a significant focus for us and a significant focus for healthcare leaders as we move forward. Well, with that said, I am really excited today to have a colleague who I've known for a number of years, Todd Nelson. Todd is a Chief Partnership Executive at HFMA, Healthcare Financial Management Association. HFMA is a wonderful organization, serves many hospitals and healthcare leaders and providers across the country uh, and have been doing it for many, many years. Todd, welcome to our show. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be on the show today. I you know, appreciate the relationship we've had um, over the years. We, we haven't known each other as long as HFMA has been around, but this is HFMA's 75th anniversary. So oh uh, it's excited to be on your podcast today and be with you and, and have a conversation about consumerism. 75 years. Boy, that's incredible. I can remember when I first worked with HFMA, and I'm dating myself here, but you know, early on when I started my healthcare career, I was a practice administrator and I had reported to the, the CFO at the time and the CFO that I reported to was very active in HFMA. And, you know, I was always into the numbers and everything. And at that time, he had had really talked about a lot of the benefits of, of HFMA, particularly on the hospital side. You, you all did quite a bit of work on the hospital side at that point. And it's just amazing to see how the organization has grown. And I think a real tribute to what you all have achieved in your 75 year history, continuing to provide that support, not just to hospitals, but to physicians and, and to the payer community as well. It's been a fun journey. I uh, came to NOHMA through a CFO as well, uh, back in the Midwest who invited me to a meeting and said, if you're going to be anything in this industry, you need to know HFMA. And, you know, that was decades ago, I hate to say, but I'm also proud to say, and we also just hit uh, just went over the 64,000 member mark here in the U.S. So HFMA has uh, been a great organization for me personally and professionally, and I get to meet great people like yourself, Dan. So this is wonderful to get a chance to catch up. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, Todd, in your role for HFMA, 
you know, you, you manage a lot of the relationships. I know you work with many of the leaders across the country. And, you know, as we had, had talked previously, um, you know, I know an area that is certainly near and dear to your heart is the whole consumerism model in healthcare. Why don't you talk for a few minutes about your thoughts, what you're hearing, what, what are some of the aspects of this consumerism model as, as we're starting to move forward with it? I think folks are really getting more used to convenience. You touched on the notion of of telehealth, and I, I I think about you know my parents in their 80s. They would have never thought about doing a telehealth visit, and yet pandemic came. They had needs. They wanted to be seen, but they wanted to be safe. All the things that you touched on, and throughout the pandemic, both personally. You know, we would connect when we couldn't be together via Zoom or other platforms. And telehealth kind of then got them into that health visit where they could connect with someone. They could be seen. They felt safe. They didn't have to drive and park and do all those things. And it's an example of the movement to convenience and digital health that folks of all ages and all experiences um, have moved. And, and with that, um, what that does from a consumerism perspective is if you're, you know, a 20 something, and I have four of those um, in my family, my wife and I do, I mean, they're used to, you know, Netflix and everything on their phone and all the social media apps and all those things. So they were already ready for a consumer based shopping experience, a uh, convenient experience 24 seven anytime they wanted. And, and they hadn't really thought about the fact that an emergency room is a 24 seven experience, but it's generally an experience that's in person. And not very convenient. And not very convenient. Um, so how do you move to, um, you know, an experience that is more um, when you need it, where you need it. And, you know, over the years, I mean, uh, uh, health systems, uh, you know, physician practices have pivoted to other ways to engage patients, usually not in the video manner, but in the audio manner, the, uh, the, the dial-a-doc or dial-a-nurse line, the wellness um, initiatives where you're interacting with folks in the interim basis. Um, but this really, the pandemic, I think, accelerated um, a lot of things, especially in the telehealth arena, but it also put a greater emphasis on the consumer focus because you're not necessarily building that in-person relationship. So you've got to do things a little bit differently. Well, and I think the exciting thing with where we're seeing this go around these different access models and, and telehealth certainly supported this is it's really meeting the patient where they are around their healthcare needs and really immediately addressing it. You know, interestingly enough, just within the last week, you know, with our carrier, we ended up getting an email that talked about virtual primary care and click this button to choose a virtual primary care physician to talk remotely or virtually wherever you are, right? Whenever you want it. And it's that idea of having immediate access to a physician and 
at least being able to have conversations and understand how the care could could be really taken care of almost immediately, if you will, right? At least to get some information and the sharing of knowledge, which is really a game changer compared to how it was 12, even 18 months ago. Well, and it's it's the access to care. It's also the access to your records. It's understanding what your costs, your out-of-pocket are going to be. Um, it's really allowing that shoppable experience. And I think the the thing that folks, um, patients maybe weren't as ready for, um, but got ready pretty quickly, was the clinical aspect of it being delivered remotely or virtually. But what they've been more ready for, and maybe hospitals and health systems were less ready for, was the consumer-based financial experience. And so now those two are, um, you know, Know, marrying um, up and and frankly really you know moving well together and and people are headed down that continuum. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, talk a little bit about the trust factor that I think providers and hospitals had to focus on with their patients. Are you hearing that as a as a big driver of this consumerism model? Yeah, I I, I think thinking about you know, you've got a great trusted clinical relationship. The clinical care is being delivered at an exceptional level. And that's been there for, you know, that's always been there. But it's that financial experience and developing that trust in patient to understand so that there aren't surprises, um, that there aren't, you know, confusing language there. And so building that trust, not just from a cleanliness setting, um, the clinical care has been trusted, but let's make sure that entire experience is a trusted experience. And you do that by ensuring that the financial aspects are also working seamlessly. Well, and I think when you survey patients time and time again, if there's an area of dissatisfaction, it's the financial component or the, the billing process that is oftentimes the, the area that um, that is the biggest challenge for patients. And it's not that they want to not pay their bill. I think most people want to pay their bill. It's just that they don't understand their bill or they believe that it's not, you know, they don't understand how the bill with the physician interacts with the hospital. And I think the not knowing and the confusion lends itself to a lot of distrust. You're right, Dan. I mean, decades ago, HFMA started down the path with others on something called the Patient Friendly Billing Project. And that was really all about even further you know, prior to that, what we just called plain and simple patient satisfaction or customer service. And, and then we moved down patient-friendly billing, how to clarify the language, how to make sure that the bills are understandable using, you know, common sense terminology. And then the next iteration of that um, was patient financial communications. When do you talk to people about their bill? What should be included about the bill? When does a patient want to know? In what setting? And then finally, where we are now is moved into consumerism, thinking about, you know, in essence, a consumerism maturity model, um, which HFMA put out there, as well as a bunch of other resources, talking about the consumer interaction channels, quality and accuracy information, the consumer experience, and then other measurement tools there all combined together to kind of look at, you know, where your organization is on the maturity level towards being a consumer-centric organization. 
Yeah, I think, and I've seen that. That's a wonderful, wonderful resource. And what I see with a lot of the organizations, it's a culture shift as they move from prying, from providing more what I would call episodic care to more consumer-driven care, taking into consideration the impact to the patient. And it's not just the impact on the quality of care that's being delivered. I believe in my heart of hearts, most organization, most physicians want to deliver high quality care and, and probably do, but it's the other things that surround it, right? It's being able to ensure that, you know, they're, they have access to care when they need it. It's efficient. They feel safe. The billing process supports it. All of those elements and, and I think, you know, you're absolutely right. It's a growth, it's a journey, it's a maturity factor as you move into that consumerism model. You know, and I, and I think about finance people that are in healthcare, right? So they got trained in finance or accounting when they um, got their formal training and they could have gone into another industry. They could have gone into banking. They could have gone into investments, um, but instead they chose healthcare. And for the majority, vast majority of healthcare finance people, they chose it because of a mission focus. I mean, they want to be in healthcare. They want to assist a good experience overall. And so that's why the consumerism focus isn't um, foreign or something that's uncomfortable. It's just not always easy to move the dial on it. And the last thing I mean, I, I recall sitting in, in board meetings, the last thing I ever wanted was to hear about how we saved someone's life. They had an awesome clinical experience, but then, you know, the board chair would look at me as a CFO and say, except the billing experience was horrible and now they don't want to come back here again. I mean, that's worst case scenario. So, oh, yeah. you know, obviously, I mean, when you do everything right clinical and quality wise, but the billing experience isn't great, then you know, we've got to bring that billing um, experience level, the consumer um, facing level up to the same level as the clinical care. You know, you, you shared with me, um, I'd seen one of, in, in your earlier documents that, um, you know, top priorities of healthcare organizations, the patient experience was number one, right? So everybody was focused on the patient experience. So I, I think the, the, the focus and the intention of organization is certainly there. Um, but do you think that that organizations or maybe leaders really struggle with how to improve that experience? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's like a lot of different things is you need to understand um, that the finance folks are balancing the regulatory requirements of getting paid and the human requirements of understandable financial services. And I, I think that's the struggle. Well, I know it's a struggle for finance folks. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a constant, you know, where do you put your resources? I mean, right. do you put your resources into just plain getting paid for the services provided? Um, or do you put them into the you know consumer friendly and the hope would be is you do both or a mixture of both but it's you know it's a battle for resource well and i think it's a it's also competing agendas too right and you know one one area that comes to mind is price transparency you know there's been 
a lot of new regulation out. Hospitals need to be transparent in their pricing uh, and their contracting with the payers. Um, consumers, patients have been asking for that for years, right? How much is this procedure going to cost us? Well, that's easier said than done. And I think what you've found is some healthcare organizations have been very forthcoming in creating their price transparency. They've have it on their internet and, and so on and so forth. Patients can look at it. And then you've got others who either have chosen not to share it, or if they have shared it, they're sharing it in a way where you have to go through a few steps in order to really find out, you know, what that true cost is. And, and like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge because they're, I mean, it's not that they don't want to do it, but there's a focus on running the business yet, you know, really making sure you're supporting the patients and the consumerism side of, of care. Well, and what, what we've seen is, you know, some organizations have gone that extra mile. Um, you know, HFMA has for, uh, you know, quite some time talked about price transparency, meaningful price transparency. So not just the out-of-pocket cost to the, the patient or the purchaser of care, but adding in quality, safety, um, satisfaction, those types of things to get to what we would say is, is really meaningful transparency. And there are certainly some organizations that have led the way that are, um, you know, have taken the regulatory price transparency rules and really created a consumer facing model. And, and we applaud them for doing that. But again, it's about, okay, do you just meet the letter of the rule or do you use it for maybe even a competitive advantage? Um, and, and frankly, to help you know improve the experience for the patient the consumer the the community that you serve and uh it, you know it's nice to see folks going the extra mile and choosing to make the investment there right right well and i think all that comes into play when you talk about the maturity model of consumerism you know you have to really think about the 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 end in mind which is really that interaction, that experience with the patient, um, you know, and as you've talked about, I think it is obviously quality and safety and accuracy, but it's that business side of healthcare that I think folks have really need to um, not just pay attention to, but demonstrate. And we're going to see that COVID, I think, has really exposed a lot of it. Uh, not just around the access model, but uh, you know, components around trust as well. Um, you know, in, in your experiences, you've been working with organizations, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, all right, you know, we believe in the consumerism model, we want to be able to grow this, where do we start? How do we even know if we're like on the right track? Where do you lead them? You know, are there some resources that you can point our audience to? Yeah, absolutely. We, we you know, have a lot of resources on our website, uh, www.hfma.org. Uh, there's uh, industry initiatives part of that called Dollars and Cents. That's a little play on words. Um, S-E-N-S-E, -E, Dollars and Cents, because we hope that it makes sense for folks. And we've got things around patient financial communications, uh, some, some consumer guides that, that can go direct patient-facing information about understandable bills, uh, information and guidance around how to prevent a surprise bill questions to ask 
um, and information for um, health systems and physician practices uh, to be able to provide that information. And then, you know, last but not least, the, the consumerism maturity model. We've got a whole, um, you know, section on, how, you know, where to start. What does a level one consumer facing organization look like all the way up to level five and multiple channels in between as to how folks can get started on that journey. And uh, we've got an a online assessment they can take um, to see where they are and then uh, provides them some focus areas to target and to try to get better. And, you know, I think that's about, that, you know, that's what you do with any performance improvement is assess where you are, um, you know, focus, target, reassess, focus, retarget, reassess uh, yep. to try to improve it. Yeah, absolutely. And then in your assessment, you know, they within the self-assessment tool, uh, is there um, any benchmarking or any quantification that you're able to tie to? Some of this, I would think some of this would be more qualitative, but I, I would also hope that there'd be some quantitative elements so you could actually measure the improvement. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is you 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 do the assessment. You get a score um, uh, on the assessment. You also look at uh, some of the metrics around denials management and other areas uh, to see where you stand um, related to that. Uh, and and you can rank yourself against the different scales to see if you're just you're emerging, um, you're consumer centric. You know those types of areas and. Um, you know, you, you uh, really have that opportunity to look at where you are and then, you know, pinpoint where you want to be. Right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we've, we have been working with, you know, number of organizations um, around the country for many years on the revenue cycle improvement process, the denial management process. And we have found a direct correlation for organizations that have strong revenue cycle process, a direct co correlation to increased patient experience and patient satisfaction. Um, and I, I think that I'm glad to hear that that's figured into your uh, uh, assessment model, because I'm a huge proponent that as well as strong denial management supporting the cash flow organizations, a good revenue cycle process, a strong denial management process also supports strong patient satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. You know, if you think about it, I mean, does does anybody really want to get a bill the first time, 94 days after they left? I mean, they've forgotten. They've got three utility bills by that point in time, right? And then they get their first, uh, you know, statement of what they owe. That's really not a great process. And, you know, sometimes we wonder, well, why, why don't people pay us sooner? Or, you know, why do we go to the bottom of the pile? Well, I mean, if you've got a strong revenue cycle focus, um, you've got great processes for denials management, advocating on behalf of the patient. If your days in accounts receivable, you know, your ability to collect that cash is happening sooner, you're really advocating for the patient. I mean, I, I am a firm believer that if people have a bill, they really do want to, they really do want to pay it. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I'll, I'll share a little story. Um, six months ago, we did an assessment for this uh, 
employed um, physician group of this of this hospital, and you know we we identified opportunities to improve their revenue cycle from a from a cash standpoint, but um, we also focused on a lot of the the outreach to the patients, and we focused the outreach to the patients in two areas. One, what did the bills look like that they received? And then what did the calls look like um, that, that the patients were receiving? And between the beginning of the revenue cycle process, which typically we, we consider it when the patient actually makes an appointment and starts to see the, the physician to when the, the service is completed, that's the revenue cycle process. Patients were getting on average four calls around not just their scheduling, but the pre-authorization, what their, their responsible balance would be, and would be getting at least two additional calls based on the services. And that was just for one physician. And that doubled if they were seeing additional physicians, or if they went for a surgery, they would get a call from the surgeons group, as well as then the department that handled anesthesia billing. Um, on top of that, they would, because there was not coordinated billing processes, patients would be getting, you know, sometimes two and three bills. I mean, just a very inefficient process that, you know, again, in the event that that revenue cycle process was to become streamlined and improved, boy, you want to talk about an impact to consumerism. I mean, that right there would, would just, you know, improve the, the expectation by leaps and bounds. Absolutely. You know, you think about all the different communication channels, the instead of a call, can you get a text? Can you answer an email? Can you, you know, what are the other ways to streamline a process that is for those that want it more focused on what their needs are? I mean, I, I you just, there's a lot of those little things you can do all along the way. Um, you know, online registration process where you're creating, you know, real-time eligibility so that you know if something's gonna be covered and they're having that dialogue well before the patient arrives. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, Todd, this was this was great. I, I firmly believe that as we move post-COVID, um, consumerism and healthcare really creating that, I think that that strong bond with the patient, certainly in terms of the, the different access models building the trust, really, truly supporting, you know, the, the, the needs of those patients, that's going to continue to be a strong focus. And, and healthcare organizations have to really manage around that and, and deal with it head on, I think, if, if they truly want to continue to, to expand and manage the patients in their communities. Um, you know, I know you mentioned that there's quite a few resources on, on HFMA. Any other resources that you can point them to, or maybe you can repeat the HFMA website one more time just for our listeners in, in the event that they want to, you know, look at look for additional resources. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Uh, you know, again, I I, I would say that we've collected a lot of consumer facing revenue cycle um, related resources as well at at www.hfma.org. Uh, the dollars and cents initiatives. Uh, we're constantly having, you know, webinars and, uh, you know, digital events. And, and I'm sure someday, uh, again, we'll all have a, a live event in person. But, you know, for now, we're virtual with things. But there's lots of content out there. And uh, we'd hope that folks would uh, come out and take a look at it and maybe help them on their journey. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, Todd, thanks for your time today. Um, we'd love to have you back sometime in the near future, maybe, you know, in the latter part of the summer. I think it would be good to do a retrospective discussion of some sort in terms of how consumerism is continuing to evolve and, and where patients are going with all of this. We're going to learn a lot, I think, as we make it out of COVID and we see how care is being delivered and really what are the new demands of the patients. Well, I, I'd love to be back. It's always you know uh, great to chat with you, Dan, and it's certainly been my pleasure to be here with your audience today. Great. Well, thanks, Todd. I, I appreciate that. Todd brought up some great points. I think the the whole concept of consumerism in healthcare, you know, we've heard a little bit about this, but we're going to hear more and more. And, you know, I think a couple of things that really struck me is that we really have to focus on what are the needs of these patients. And it's not just the clinical needs. I think for the most part, you know, a lot of healthcare providers, healthcare organizations, you know, it's in their mission. They're going to deliver high quality care to their patients. But it's the other things that are really going to make a difference. And I think those other things are what's going to keep patients connected to the hospitals, connected to the health systems. There's a whole new area of competition that's starting to evolve. And it's really wrapped around this convenience-based care. Telehealth has been great for the industry, but it's also created new competitive dynamics and new organizations that have started to emerge. And the payers in particular are really getting involved in driving care and delivering care around these access models using telehealth. And the fact of the matter is they're doing it because you know, they're able to, I think, manage some of the cost. They are focused on providing that you know, positive satisfaction to the patients. And frankly, they want to keep the attributed lives, right? They want their members, their patients to be happy. So there's a real, real financial drive for the payers to connect with patients on a different level and to drive a lot of consumerism in healthcare. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. We at Lumina are your partners on the journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges that our industry is going through. To learn more about us, visit us at luminahp.com. If you found value in today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at luminahp.com backslash insights. Join us again, where we continue to dive deep on what lies ahead and invite conversations with several of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive in the new normal. Until then, have a great day.